My name is M. William Phelps. For the past several years, I've been reinvestigating the cases of two young women abducted from their small towns, their bodies dumped deep in the Ozark woods, with a connection to one very familiar name. Find them, torture them, kill them, BTK. Secrets finally revealed, sending authorities rushing to confront a suspect who's been hiding in plain sight for decades. Listen to Paper Ghosts Season 4 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jackie Goldschneider from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I'm Jennifer Fessler, also from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Welcome to our new podcast, Two Jersey Jays. We are going to have lots of fun on this podcast while we discuss what it's really like to be a real housewife and all the drama that comes with it. Follow us as we navigate family, friendships, and even frenemies. Listen to Two Jersey Jays on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be advised, this story contains adult content and graphic language. Oh, but babe, here's the other thing that I did. Um... Quickly, baby. I couldn't let Sam's body be found, so I cut off his head and his hands and his arm. Are you serious? Yes. Where'd you put them? They're buried in the nature center. Welcome to Sleuth. I'm Linda Sawyer. On this episode of Sleuth, you will hear for the first time In his own words, double murderer Daniel Wozniak described in detail the events leading up to his murderous crimes. Sleuth has exclusively obtained three actual jailhouse calls Daniel Wozniak made to Rachel Buffett before and after his confession to the Costa Mesa police for murdering both Sam Hare and Julie Kibuishi. Sleuth invited Wozniak lead detective Mike Cohen who was instrumental in procuring a confession from Daniel Wozniak. He's here with us to share his firsthand insights into each conversation between the convicted lovers. Good day, Detective Michael Cohen. Welcome to Sleuth. Hi. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, sir. And how about yourself? Very good. Very good. Well, I'm so grateful that you have given us this time today to analyze these calls that were, I call them the jailhouse calls, detective, because they were the calls that were recorded from the Costa Mesa Police Department on the day that you, actually it was the morning after you guys had arrested Daniel Wozniak for accessory after the fact, because at the time you still believed that Sam Hare might have been the prime suspect and he was on the run and and perhaps Daniel was helping him. So that's really all you knew at that point. And it wasn't until you brought him in for questioning that slowly 
this story unraveled. So I am so glad that you're here to help me analyze these calls for our listeners today. And uh, I'd like to start, if we can, with the first call. And give us a sense, Detective, do you have an idea in the whole scheme? I know I know, it's been a while now. It's been a long time. But do you have a sense of the timing of some of these calls? I know that you brought him in Wednesday night, and it was pretty late Wednesday night, and started questioning him. And then I think the early morning hours after... Rachel had left because you also brought Rachel in around three or four in the morning and kept her till almost 6 a.m. So I feel like the calls happened that Thursday. uh, It was May 27, 2010. And I just would love to hear from you about where in the time frame of your interrogation do you believe that these calls began? Oh, okay. Well... We had put Daniel Wozniak back into his jail cell after we were originally talking to him. And he was giving us his initial story as to helping Sam. I believe while he was in his jail cell, he probably was on the phone with Rachel trying to explain to her that he was assisting Sam and uh But had nothing trying to, to do hide. with the murders, right. Yes, that's correct. In the meantime, while he was in his jail cell and and, uh, Detective Delgadillo and I were trying to figure out our next game plan as to what we were going to do, I believe from uh, listening to the jailhouse calls that Daniel Wozniak called Rachel and she started discussing with him initially trying to see if they can maybe do some type of insanity plea or you know that he was crazy and he did mention that to us during one of our interviews with him that he felt that he was crazy and insane Um, so for our listeners we're going to actually play the first call we have three calls all together and before you get into sort of a deep analysis of of what you ascertain from the call i'd like to play the call in full for our listeners then we can reconvene and, and talk about the call. But this call basically took place after many hours of you and Detective Delgadillo interviewing Daniel Wozniak. And really, he's still staying with the, I didn't kill anybody, I was just helping Sam, I just dropped him off story, right? He had many stories throughout the evolution yes. of the confession, but this is this is where we're at at this stage. And I'd like to play the first call now for our listeners. Sure. Thanks, sure. Mike. This call is being recorded and maybe... Hello? Hi, baby. Hey, what's going on? What do you want me to do? I don't, I don't know. Leave me. What did you do? I helped Sam cover some stuff up and helped him get some drugs. That's it. I didn't murder anybody. Did you help him actually cover the body up, or was it just the the, uh, the money thing? Yes, I helped him cover up the body, and my payment was supposed to be everything in his account. You're going to have to speak a little bit louder. It's hard for me to hear you. I said the deal was that when he came down to me, he knew that I needed money, and he knew that he was in trouble. So the deal was that he would give me all his money, the 16000 in his bank account to help him hide it, and then he'd disappear. Wait, so when did he actually kill her? Say what? When did he actually kill her? Um, 
Uh, Friday, Friday night, Saturday, early, between like 11.30 and night, he said. He was on drugs. I, I got him some drugs. And so we you gave him the drugs? That was what Friday was for. Friday I went to go meet a dealer. And, uh, it's, it's a long story. What kind of drugs? Hardcore ecstasy. He did that on hardcore ecstasy? I did that and drink him. And then when he came... Did, was she on them too? I don't know. He doesn't remember okay. a lot of it, and then we made it look yeah. like it was... I tried to make it look like it was her boyfriend, Mark, and then Sam could get away. Okay. Babe, why on earth would you try and cover for him? Because we needed the money. No, we never need money. We need to be good people and just have each other. I'm sorry. Where are you? I, I talked to your parents. Um, we're going to do all we can, but I don't think there's much we can do for you, babe. What do you mean? I mean, if you're charged with that, you're going to spend time. And I've already admitted to them that I helped cover it up, so... So, I I don't know. I know you're going to at least spend a few years in there. Yeah. I think your parents are going to try and help get a good lawyer, but I don't know if they hear what you actually did. I don't know if they're still going to want to. Where are you? I'm at an Arco. I'm getting gas, and then I was going to head down there to find out some stuff. What's going on with you? You talked to my parents? I talked to your parents. What'd they say? And my mom's working on canceling all the wedding plans now, and I just talked to Tim, and I need to make a phone call to the detective now. Why? Because Tim's involved. Because of what? Or I need to call the detective first because I need to call him and let him know before they catch me on this recording device because it looks like I'm not trying to tell him right away. Tim says he has evidence with them, or, or he knew where it was or something. Then I'm doomed. What? Tim said that? Yeah. Do you know that Tim had some evidence? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Well, this is this is ridiculous, and I have to go tell the detective no, the truth. No, baby, baby, um, Tim, Tim did speak up. Only to me so far, and it was in passing. I said I'm going to the police station right now. Danny's been arrested, and he's, he starts freaking out, and he was really frantic, and he said something, and something slips that he had evidence. So I have to. No, I, don't, I was, don't, 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 don't. That can't be found. No, babe, I'm going to do it. I needed no, to pull baby. over to the Arco so I could get listen the phone me. number for listen the detective out of Listen to me. Listen to me. No. no. What? Trust me, please. You realize they're recording this phone conversation anyways. You're being an absolute ass to try and lie again. Yeah, I, I am, because there's stuff in there that's implementing me on something else. With Sam. Something's 
bad. And I think you um, You're talking about the credit card scheme? They already no, know all about it. No, no, it's more than that. What I'm saying is um, they, they can't find that. They can't. I know, but... Well, I don't know what that is. I thought it was a murder weapon. I don't know what you're talking about, other evidence. I don't know what Tim has besides that. Tim said he had a murder weapon. Yeah, he does. So that's exactly what Tim told me, so I'm going to go tell the detective now. So, okay. What do you want me to do? Then I don't want you to tell the detective anything, and I don't want Tim involved like that. I mean, now I'm, now I'm dead. Now I'm really dead. Baby, you're already dead. It was more than credit card fraud. And what I, else was it? If Tim has what you think he has, think what I did with it. To both. What? Um, like I said, babe, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm really done. Um, Wait, what? I, I was trying to cover it up, and now I'm going away for life. What did you do? I think you know what I did. Were you the one that killed them? Okay, let me ask a different question. Hello? Yeah. Baby, when did when did we fall asleep last night, and where were you? When did you leave last, or not last night, but that Friday night? The Friday night, we got home probably around, I don't know, 11.30 midnight. Yeah, remember that. What did we do? Did anyone come over? I don't remember. Or did we just crash? Did I crash? We crashed. We took a shower together. Uh-huh. We were watching Family Guy and Men in Black. Wait, wait, wait. I, I can't. We were watching Men in Black and Family Guy. I can Guy. hardly hear you on this phone, babe. Speak a little bit louder. We what about Men somebody? Men in Black and Family Guy. Okay. That night. Okay. So when did you go over and meet Sam, and when did you help Sam? Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Okay, well, what were you supposed to be doing on Saturday? Um, because you told me it was your insurance class, and you right. didn't have a class. So they're thinking this is premeditated. What is premeditated? They're thinking that you premeditated a murder of both of your friends because you were telling me beforehand that you had a class that you knew you didn't have. You were already making an excuse and an alibi. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So why did you tell me that you had a class? Apparently to create an alibi. Why do you, what do you mean apparently? Babe, you're not telling the truth again. No. Babe, what did you really do and really not do? Babe, are you trying to cover for somebody? 
me? I, I don't understand. Why Why did you tell me so early on in the game that you had a class to go to on Saturday? What were you planning on doing? You told me, like, on Monday or Tuesday or something, like, earlier on in the week. Babe, um, listen to me. I'm, I'm going to go do something right now. And you're not going to see me for the rest of your life. Do you understand that? No. No. I have to tell the truth on what I did. And I think you now know what it is. And it's bad. Imagine the worst, and that's what I did. Okay, well... <laughs> Do you want to tell me first, or are you going to go tell them? If you tell them, can you call me back and tell me to my face? Can you, come you should probably station? tell them first. Can you come down to the station right now? Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm coming down to the station right now. How far away are okay, you? Okay, just wait, because I, I, you should tell them first, but I want to hear it from you. No, how far away okay. are you? How far away are you? How far away are you? I'm, I'm on, I'm on Golden West in the 22. Get here right now, and you're going to, I'm telling you right now, babe, you're going to hate me. Okay? I, I'm sure, babe, but, I, you know, the I'm truth is that. What? not a good person. Start driving now. Get over here. I'm telling the whole truth, but I, I need you here. Okay, well, can you wait until I'm there, or do you have to say it right now? No, I'll wait. I need to wait until you're here, but... Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm on my way. Hold on. How long before you're here? Uh, 15 minutes. Okay. Okay, bye. I love you. So that's the first call. What do you think, Detective Michael Cohen? When Detective Delgadillo and I had interviewed him and gotten the numerous different stories from him, we put him away in his cell. I think when that phone call was made after he was sitting in the cell and Rachel had mentioned to him that Tim had evidence of the crime, I think that just put it over the top for us, which then made it to the point where he realized that he had to go either tell us the truth or we're going to find the truth out one way or another because that evidence was going to be told to us by Rachel. I have a quick question before you continue with your analysis. Do you guys in real time hear the call so you knew what he was saying and what Rachel was telling him? No, because what happens is uh, in the jail, we have a recording system, so it's recorded. Okay. Uh, we have detectives that monitor it. What they do is it's not something that we do like right away as soon as they get off the phone. It's something that we will do eventually after uh, a detective has uh, some time. He'll go through the tapes and start listening to them. So to be honest with you, we had no clue, Detective Delgadillo and I, that this call had gone on until the jailer had called us and said, Dan Wozniak wants to talk to you guys right now. I can still remember it to this day when Detective Delgadillo and I walked into the cell. He had one of the jail blankets wrapped around his head uh, and just kind of wrapped around his neck, and he's just kind of looking at it with these big old eyeballs. And his hair was all disheveled, and he said, I want to tell you guys everything. So we took him out of the cell and walked him into the interview room. 
And, uh, and location-wise, that, that jail is right next to uh, your headquarters? Is that where? Yes, that's correct. We have three different interview rooms that we use, so we can walk them straight from the jail right into an interview room. Got it. And so you did not know what the content of that call was when Dan told the jailer that he wanted to talk to you guys? No, Detective Delgadillo and I had no clue what it was. All we knew that Detective Delgadillo got a phone call at his desk. That the jailer said, hey, Wozniak wants to talk to you guys. And that was it. So we went back there and got him. We figured he was either going to tell us another cockamamie story that he had or he was going to tell us something. So, But when we walked back there and I saw him with that jail blanket wrapped around his head and he just had that look on his face, I just had a gut feeling he was going to tell us the truth. I just had a weird feeling that he was going to tell us exactly what happened. He looked pretty stressed out. So obviously from the phone call, you can tell he didn't want that bag of evidence to be found. So he figured, hey, I better, the gig's up. I need to go ahead and tell my story. The one thing that I noticed in the call was the the acting performance of the both of them, particularly in the beginning when he was willing to continue with this I'm just helping Sam scenario and he seemed so earnest so sincere when he said to her but I wasn't involved in the murders I didn't do anything I just helped Sam but that was obviously before Rachel had a chance to tell him how she ran into Tim and Tim told her about the evidence so it's like he was pretty good and and so was she for that matter at really seeming quite genuine about how innocent he was, and quite frankly, her as well. Yes, uh, that's that's one thing later when we played the tape to listen to it, all of us as detectives are listening to You can tell that I call it a poor acting job, but they, uh, we almost felt that at times that he was talking to her as if maybe trying to cue her in on certain things uh, that maybe to try to keep her out of the mix because we've always had a, a feeling that she was involved one way or another. We just could not put everything together at the time. If you really listen to her talking on the phone, she seemed very relaxed, very relaxed, uh, not, not upset at all as to what was going on. I think most girlfriends or wives would be just emotional and, and downright, out of it. Crazed. They hear, yeah, yes, crazed. That's a good way of looking at it. And uh, listening to their event or significant other or whatever, telling them a story about being involved. I know I would be. I'd be very upset on the phone, but she was very relaxed and it was like very nonchalant talking to each other. I thought a perfect example of that was when she point blank said, were you the one that killed them? And there was silence, right? He didn't answer. And instead of saying, like, Dan, did you, did you, like, answer me, right? She went yeah. to, okay, let me ask a different question. What were we doing that Friday night? I mean, it was just, what? Like, you know, talk about just shifting everything because she knew the answer already, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I think some of the validation of asking what were we doing that night, she wanted to kind of put their stories together, in my opinion. Exactly. I think she wanted to kind of remember Oh, okay, that's right. We were watching the men in black. You know, we were 
uh, laying on the couch, and he's just reiterating stuff to her to to kind of, I think, uh, protect her in a way. Sure, and I thought it was really sickening when she said, oh, right, that night, as if she didn't recall, I mean, this very young 22-year-old, 21, 22-year-old doesn't remember what they did a week ago when two of their friends were murdered. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's very true. Yeah, you, you know, she's she knew exactly what was going on. She just was trying to, uh, I, I believe, again, just protecting herself uh, and trying to slowly but surely distancing herself from the whole situation. And even when he was telling her, I mean, I felt like there was a, a lot of code going on, right? He was just sharing with her enough so that she knew what he may have already told you or what he's about to tell you and to make sure that she's on board and, and knows the page that they're on together so she doesn't implicate herself, right? But he said, we took a shower together. And that struck a chord with me because I remember in my interview with Dave Barnhart, who was one of the residents at Costa Mesa, He's the he was the host of the Taco Tuesday party. He told me that she told him she saw the blood on his shirt when they took the shower together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, she- and, and, yeah, absolutely. There's, I think he and her played these phone calls out just basically to try to eliminate her from any uh, involvement whatsoever. And she looks like, unfortunately, she might be getting away with it. I'm sure you've kept apprised of the accessory after the fact trial. I mean, she was convicted of two felony counts of accessory after the fact, but all in all, the judge gave her, I think it was 24 months for the first count and eight for the second, and she's going to spend a year in county jail. I know, I know. Definitely not enough for her involvement, in my opinion. (laughs) Your opinion, and and Ed Everett's opinion and host detective Jose Morales. In fact, uh, Sergeant Everett wrote a letter to the judge. The content of the letter was, in essence, this woman is should be where Daniel Wozniak is. Please, please impose the harshest sentence you can, given the law. I know all of you guys tried so hard to get the evidence to support a murder charge for her. So it it can't be pleasing to see the outcome at this stage. No, it isn't. You know, when I retired, they were still working on the case uh, against her and trying and trying very hard. Uh, those detectives worked very hard. Uh, Detective Morales and, and the whole team there was doing everything possible that they can because we felt from day one she had some involvement and if not a lot more involvement than they're really saying, but we just didn't have enough at that time. And eventually in time, it looks like the team of detectives were able to put a little more together and actually get a filing. Uh, I don't agree with the minimal time that she's getting. I think she should be exactly where Dan is in prison in the same spot and is dealing with the same situation. But unfortunately, um, she's going to get away with a little bit, I think. So now let's listen to the second call. I believe she's trying to get gas and on her way. I think she made a wrong turn somewhere, so it delayed her arrival to the Costa Mesa Police Department. 
So now I'd like to play the call. Sure, sure. After the tone, please state your first and last name. Baby, please answer. This call is being recorded and may be monitored. Your call's part. Hello? Baby. Yeah, baby. Do you want me to go to prison or the mental institution? I, I can't hear you. Say that louder. Do you want me to go to prison or the mental institution? Go to the mental institution. Yeah. I, I think so. I think I'm on my way now. Can you wait? Do you have to say now? No, I just, I know once you get here, I'm not going to be able to really talk to you. So I wanted to talk to you now because it might be my last chance. Baby, I can come visit you in prison or a mental institution. They allow visitors. You don't understand. They're, babe, this is, this is big. Where's Tim? I don't know. Did you call the detective? I did. And you told him? Yes, I did. Yeah, then that means I'm going away for life. That what? That I'm going away for life. Why? What does that link you to? I think you know. So, because of that, I now have life. No, baby, because you're fucking insane and you need to go to a mental institution and you should plead insanity and maybe somebody can help you. Yeah. I love you, baby, but you are crazy. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. Were you rolling with them at all? No, there weren't any drugs. There weren't any drugs now? Not after they find the weapon. There won't be need for any. Um, well, why, why did Sam do it? He... He didn't. He didn't? No. Why did you leave the apartment that night? Please get here and I'll get my full confessional. Okay? Okay, I just... Uh... You're looking at a dead man, so that's what I mean. Baby, why? Cause why did you do this to me? I thought it was the only way I could take care of you because I was a failure. And babe, honestly, I was hearing voices in my head. I've been going crazy ever since, <laughs> ever since I left my family. And ever since you left your family? Yeah. Even before well, from we made up all say... this stuff with farmers and everything. Babe, you need to get here and I need to confess my entire life to the detectives and you. But I need to Okay, babe, I'm, I'm trying. Where are you? Uh, I didn't realize that you were still at Costa Mesa. Yeah. So I went, I was going down towards Santa Ana. So now I am on the 55 South going towards the 405. 
safer traffic. Can you can you just wait? Yes. Think about think about what you did and what's yes. coming. Be ready for it. Be ready to tell the truth, and be ready to tell them what you want. Because I'm sure you have some sort of rights. Like you said, you get a choice of say police or a jail or a mental institution. Well. Think about what's going to be best and make a good choice. Start thinking. My life is over, baby. I just want you to know that, and I'm sorry I couldn't be the man that you needed. Okay? So, baby, why'd you leave your family then? I'm crazy. That's why you left them, because you're crazy. Because I hate confrontation. Because they required too much out of me and I couldn't deliver. And the main reason that I left them is I almost reached a point where I almost killed them. Did you almost reach a point where you killed me? No, never. I promise. You were my only light. Oh, baby. Why... Why didn't you why didn't you say you needed mental help earlier? Because it's confrontation and failure. And I'm a bad boy and I don't know. I'm a pathological liar for a reason because I don't want to admit it. You're never going to see me again, and I'm never going to be with you again. Baby, you're going to see me again. I'm going to come visit you all the time. Uh, but, baby, we'll figure this out, okay? We're going to figure this out. You're going to be in there for a while, but it's going to be okay. We'll figure it out, and we'll try and get Maybe first thing we need to do is get you some mental help and then see what's going on. Okay. Where are you? Where are you? Baby, we'll get you a good lawyer and a good psychiatrist and we'll figure this out.
kind of think, you know that Del Taco we always pass coming from in 2-9 on the 55? Mm. Maybe? Mm. Mm. Baby, I can hardly hear you on this phone. Baby. All I can hear is you crying. Where are you? Are you laughing now? Maybe, maybe it took this to freaking get you up and straighten you out. I don't know. I still love you very much.
I'm not getting off the freeway right now on Harbor. That's a pretty powerful call. That it is. I mean, how kooky are these two that they think you can, with a checkbox, I think, would you rather choose prison or mental institution? Check one. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't really Um, work that way, does it, detective? It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think this is where he's starting to realize, I'm going away, and I need to figure something out. And start to the know, jig is up. Try to yeah, the gig's up. I need to try to implement my life story where I've had a terrible childhood and I'm crazy. So I was going to kill my parents and do all this other stuff because he's trying everything now to kind of decide. Okay, I know if I go to the big house, I'm going to prison. That's not really where I want to go. I want to go to I call it Club Med to the mental institute. So. And he's starting to realize, i got to start making myself look like I'm not all there. But unfortunately, he is all there. It reminded me of a case I had covered a while back on the Hillside Strangler. And Ken Bianchi decided once they really started between the police up in Washington and the Los Angeles police, they really were closing in on him, so to speak. And all of a sudden, he came up with this multiple personality disorder, right? That he didn't know that he had killed these women because he had different personalities. So how could he know? And it's the same here. You hear Dan saying, you know, I really was starting to hear voices ever since I left my family. And uh, yeah, you could see that coming, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can see that he's changing his whole demeanor from now the gig's up and now I got to try to salvage my life somewhat. So I'm not going to go to the to prison. I need to go somewhere where I can try to survive the rest of my life. And that's the mental institute. And she, you can tell she is smarter than him. She, she was even still trying to get him to confirm that Sam did. She said, why did Sam do this? And, and, and at that point he was, actually being honest for the first time probably in a long time in his life, and he said he didn't. He didn't do it. Even though in the previous call, he had told Rachel that with that gun, that gun that Tim told you about, imagine the worst that I did with it to both of them. I mean, he basically told her. That's right. Yep, he did. He did. He flat out told her right there when if, if that evidence is found, what's in that evidence is what I did to both of them. I mean, he basically told her right there. It's like, it just kind of went over her, her brain. And, uh, but she knew it that, and that's what I was just going to get to. I believe that she already knew all the details of what happened. It's just here. She's just trying to cover herself and make sure that he's not going to implement her, implicate her in any way. And the real example that is, to me, just so egregious is when Dan, you you can tell, I mean, he, he's crying from the bottom of his toes, right? I mean, he's recognizing what what he's done and where he's going, and there's no turning back. 
Yet there's no remorse for the victims. It's all, he was crying for himself. But then her response is just so cold and calculating. She, she says, I love you, baby, but you're insane and stupid. And after this experience, I realize now I'll never be able to be touched by another single person in my life. It was just nothing about him. It was all about her. And then the line that really got me was, I know... She's speaking to Dan. Your twisted mind did this to make me happy, and I really hate you for screwing it up. <sighs> I mean, if that does yes. not just characterize Rachel Buffett. Oh, per- to the T, yes. I mean, she, again, as you can tell, she's talking to him very nonchalantly. She's not considering any of the victims in this thing. I can't believe you killed these two people. I can't. They were no, our friends. Not, nothing. Right? No remorse. Exactly. Yes. Nothing. No remorse. No nothing. She just kept intervening with him as to uh, she's just covering her bases to make sure that she doesn't get implicated whatsoever. And you can totally see it in, in the conversations with each other. And uh, it's unfortunate, but she's definitely covering her butt. From day one and from every every aspect that she's being interviewed by detectives and even on these phone calls, you can tell uh, 100% that she's trying not to be getting involved with any part of this, even though she knew a lot. That probably knew it all. It, absolutely, and knew it all. <laughs> and it just, the idea that She's suggesting that she loves this man, that she was going to marry this man. I mean, she's having this conversation with her groom-to-be. They were, they were getting married the next day. And she's, all she can talk about is how he has screwed up her life forever and how, why did you have to screw this up? Well, you could have done this and made me happy, but you screwed it up. And so, so now, now I'm going to be faced with... What I believe she was trying to suggest is that no matter if she's going to prison or not, she's going to live her life in somewhat of a prison cell, right? Because between social media and honestly, anybody that Googles her name, right? I mean, this is going to come up. She will be for the rest of her life connected to this case. And that's all she's thinking about at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. She knows that her life is going to be completely ruined. Uh, socially, it's gone. If she even tries to find a job or do anything, it's all. this is all going to be on her table every day of her life. And, uh, and she, get, she knows that big time. There's no doubt in my mind. Which is why she was crying. She wasn't crying for Julie Kibuishi. She wasn't crying no. for Sam Hare. She was crying for Rachel Buffett. Absolutely. As you can tell, you know, there's no remorse whatsoever for any of the victims. It's just, it's about them two and them two only. So this last call, detective, happened after, Dan, you went to the jail and and brought Dan back into one of your interrogation rooms. And at that point, everything unraveled and he confessed to everything, to killing both Sam and Julie and went into some detail with you and Detective Delgadillo. And now this call that takes place was when you put him back in the jail cell and he picked up the phone to call Rachel for the last time. Let's listen. Okay. 
After the tone, please state your first and last name. Baby, what's wrong? Please answer. This call is being recorded and may be monitored. Your called party is being informed of this as well. Prior to accepting the call, please continue to hold while we attempt to locate your party. This may take up to 60 seconds to complete. This call is being recorded and may be monitored. Hey, baby. Baby, where are you? I'm here still. They won't let me see you, though, because you already told them. What do you mean? They, they said that I can't see you now. You're, I, you already told them everything, and I can't talk to you now because next time I'll be able to talk to you is when you're all uh, filed and everything at county, and then I can go during visit, visiting hours. No, no, no. What do you mean, no? Can you change that? I'm still here. No, tell them, tell them you just talked to me on the phone, and that was the deal. I don't think they'll listen, baby. Cause you already you already told them everything. They have nothing. You have nothing to barter with now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why didn't you wait until I was there? They wouldn't let me. They said there was there was a word that they she could see me afterwards. Oh, baby. I don't know what to do. Stay, stay on the phone. Say what? Hey, baby. Baby? Hey. Hello? 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 Baby. Yeah. They're not going to let me see you, I don't think. They just lied to you? Yeah. Baby, I'm so okay. sorry I did this. Did you really? Yeah. Why? How? Um, I want, I want to tell you my whole life real quick. It doesn't take that long, okay? Yeah? My Go ahead, because, baby, every time you call me, I, I get 20 minutes, so take it all up. Okay. Um, my insurance job, it didn't go well at all. I never owned any offices. I never managed any offices. That was a lie. Okay. Um, I was just a small agent for AAA and realized that I was going on commission, and it scared the hell out of me, so I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. So what did you do? I, um, <laughs> I don't know what I did. I tried to find myself. And that's when I moved back home with the folks. The only income that I was getting was from Gourmet Detective when I first started dating you. Okay. All the phone calls that I made to, like, people who were doing splits and everything like that, they were all fake uh -huh. phone calls. I just faked it to look good in front of you because I didn't think I deserved you. Okay. All that was fake. And 
the problem is I can't hold down a job and I can't go to school because um, I have some mental problems. I really do. I can't focus. I can't think straight. I can't rationalize things like a normal human does. So have you ever been diagnosed for any of this or you just no. know you have it? I just feel it. I don't know. I saw a psychologist when I was younger. But that was it. Why were you in Prisk then when you were young? Why what? Why were you in Prisk when you were young? That's where I went to school. But that was like a, high, a higher education thing. I, um, I got into Prisk in the GATE program, but my last two years I just got in because I think my mom pulled some strings. I wasn't in this oh. class then. And Newcomb Academy, the only reason I got in because I'm sure my mom paid him off and then we got a different address so I could get the interdistrict transfer. What's the longest job you've ever had? Um, it have probably been AAA for about five months. You were never with farmers? I was with farmers for maybe a week, if that. How do you live in San Diego? I never lived in San Diego. I don't have a condo. There is no mark. There is no $16,000 CD in my bank account. It doesn't exist. That's the level that I'm at, baby. Were you, so you never were, you never spent that much time in San Diego? No. What about all your stories? Made up. All the girls? You're the third woman I've been with in my entire life. I would have liked you better for that. Do you even realize that? I've only been with three women. You're my third. And you were mine as well, and I would have liked you better for that. I know. Um, Do you have anything else? Um, just so you know what happened for the record, um, have they told you anything? They told me what you said, but well, I'd like to hear it from your mouth. Um, when Sam helped me pay for the rent, I forgot a glance at his uh, bank account and saw the total, uh -huh. and I saw him punching his PIN number. And you know the state that I was in of desperation. Uh-huh. Um, you're, baby, are you sitting down? Yeah. Please don't think any less of me after I tell you this, because this is not a good story, okay? But you need to okay. know it. I uh, called him and said, let's go down to the theater on the base, and I had my dad's gun fully loaded, and when I took him up into the attic, I shot him two times in the back of the head, and then I grabbed his credit cards, and I grabbed Wesley, and we took money out of his account. How... How was Wesley involved? How did you get him involved and why? I, I called him because he was underage, so I figured they couldn't come after him if he was underage, and plus there was no real connection except my phone, which I didn't even think about. 
So, so uh, let me let me let me get this straight. How did he know? Did he know what you were doing or what he was no, doing? What? No, I told him that I got a new job working for a bail bondsman, and so these mm -hmm. guys were are on the loose, and we are able to obtain their credit cards and we deplete their bank accounts to um, get the money that they owe for bail, and he bought it. And he didn't tell his mom? No. Wow. And then can you still hear me, baby? Huh? Okay, cool. You and, can still hear me, right? Yeah. And that's when I started okay. to panic. That's when I came home that afternoon all flustered and panicked because I knew that I left everything at the crime scene. And I was really worried over Sam's thing. Mm -hmm. And then I knew it was only a matter of time before they found that, so I had to make it look like Sam was really like a wanted man. Mm -hmm. So I had his cell phone, and I started texting Julie, saying, come over tonight at midnight, because I knew we would be home from the show. And How did you sneak out without me noticing? Yeah, I know, I know. What, How? What, I know, I'm explaining it. Okay. I went where there were absolutely no cameras that couldn't be seen. I um, I made sure you were wrestled on the couch, and I covered you up in your blanket and tried putting you to sleep, remember? You were watching Men in Black for Family Guy. Mm-hmm. And I tried making you rest and go to sleep by giving you a massage, and I made sure that the blinds were closed in the living room. And I said, I'm going to go in and take a shower. Well, I started the water. I changed my clothes. I jumped out the back, crawled on the floor, hopped over the fence, went upstairs. Julie was waiting. I opened up the door of Sam's apartment, shot her twice in the back of the head, wrote, fuck you, she's yours, on the back to make it look like there was a, a violent act regarding sex. I cut her pants over. How did nobody hear the gun? I don't know. I got lucky. You were right down there, but I made sure that the volume was loud so you wouldn't hear it. And then I went back down the stairs. I put all my clothes in a pile. I hopped out into the shower real quick to wash off briefly, and I came outside and saw you, and you were still laying there, and then we went to go take the shower together. I'm not a good person, baby. I just don't understand, babe, why you had to do all that stuff from the get-go. I would have liked you without all the lies if you were just, if you were just trying to do something legit with me. I know, I know, I know. And baby, I just, I need you to do something. I need you to find a way to kill me. What? Baby, I can't live. you got to understand this. I can't live like this. I'm going crazy and it's only day one. I need to die, baby. Baby, I, there's no possible way I can do that, and there's no possible way I would. I'll come visit you all the time, and I'm going to try and get your parents to get you, like, everything you need, like a psychiatrist and a good lawyer and everything, and see what the best is we can do. But I've already confessed. What's the point? Don't write anything down. Don't sign anything. Wait till you have a lawyer. They have me on because camera. I'm still recorded. I know. It doesn't matter. Guess what? 
you are mentally unwell. So you said several things right now. So who says one thing is truthful and one thing is another? Because we really don't know what the truth is with you right now because you are mentally unwell. Just don't write anything. Don't sign anything. Let me talk to your parents and try and get you a lawyer and find out what to do. Baby, are you sure you're not making this up because you're under pressure? No. It's the honest got truth. It's the only time I can be truthful. And now all I want to do is die because my life is over. Why, baby? Because I don't want to live. No, I mean, why? Was well, it that bad? What? Was it really that bad? Yeah! <laughs> why was it that so bad not having some money? Because <laughs> I couldn't provide for you. We kept getting in debt. We were $10,000 in debt. We were? Yes. Beverly Plaza. Oh, shit. That's another thing. Baby, Beverly Plaza, I just didn't pay it. We owe them. For what? For the rent. For all of it? Yes. Well, for the last month? The last three or four months. I didn't pay. We got evicted in December. We have an eviction. Uh, anything else? That, like, what about, is there anything else that I know people that I don't know about? No. No. And just Chase? Yeah. Edison? Yeah. Baby, how do you kill yourself? How do you do it? Baby, no. Please, baby, I can't. I can't live. I can't. <laughs> you gotta understand. I can't live. I can't. That's part, the That's part of the punishment, babe. What? That's part of the punishment. That's the only thing that's going to make you think clearly. No, it's not going to make you think clearly. I'm going crazier. I'll, I'll make sure you get psychological help and the best that I can get you. Baby, I don't need a lawyer. I don't need a psychiatrist. I need, like, a, a pill. I need someone that'll kill me. Talk to anyone. Talk to Dave. Talk to John. Maybe. And baby, go to Dave. Let Dave take care of you for the time being, please. Maybe I love you to death, and um, <laughs> you don't have to worry about me finding somebody else because... Um, I don't trust anyone right now, and I will probably never be with anyone again. Baby, no. <laughs> Baby. Baby, no, don't do that, please. Please. Okay. Baby. Yeah. Oh, God. Where, where is everybody else? What's happening? John and Violet are here. Um, randomly, Nathan and Shane came to get the car out of the impound. It was the same station, so I think they're still outside with John and Violet. You're what? I think they're still outside with John and Violet. Do they know John and Violet? Um, they knew everything I knew earlier today when I first came out of questioning.
and they were still very skeptical. They thought you were under way too much stress, and that you were admitting something to cover somebody. Well, how's Tim involved? I gave him all the stuff to hide. I gave him the gun. I gave him my clothes. I gave him the backpack. He knew? He didn't know that I did it. I told him Sam did it. I see. Um. I love you, baby. No, no, you don't. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, mommy. I know what I do, and... That's one of the things that you're going to learn by going to psychiatry is that you don't have to tell all these lies. I still love you. Why would you want to live your life like that? I'm going to continue to live my life, but it's going to be in a different way than it would have been if you had been honest and just normal like other people work for Baby, I'm just saying I can't I can't be locked up in here knowing that I do have you. I can't. I'll I'll, I'll talk and see what we can do with toys and see what how what it's gonna be like. There's only three minutes left on our call though, baby. <laughs> can you put John on the phone? He's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say to him? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, but babe, here's the other thing that I did. Um, Quickly, baby. I couldn't let Sam's body be found, so I cut off his head and his hands and his arm. Are you serious? Yes. Where'd you put them? They're buried in the nature center. Ooh, how did you cut them? With your parents' saw and axe. When did you, where are the saw and axe now? They're at your parents. You're kidding me. No. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to get you help. You know this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you are going to live <laughs> to think like a normal person. I'm sure you do. I'm going to make sure you live and you're in there and uh, you get help. Baby, I'm sorry. I'm going to go over and talk to your parents tonight. I already talked to your dad. Your what did he say? Too. He doesn't know the full extent of everything. What did he say? He says he's very hurt and he doesn't know what to do because you, uh, you just... Um, push him away and then only call him when you need help, but it's pretty serious, so it sounds like we need to get him a lawyer. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry, I don't know what else to say, baby. I'm, I'm in denial, babe. I'd... It's all true. Everything I just told you right now is the honest to God truth. I love you. I hate what you do, and I know you need help, but I, I love you for who you actually are and not who you're pretending to be and trying to be at this moment. Tell the detective that they promised that I could see you. Please tell them. Please. Try try like okay. hell, babe. We got nothing to lose. 
Okay, please. Okay. I'd love to you. <laughs> if, if, I can't, if I can't see you today, baby, I will see you as soon as you get processed at county, and I'll come on the first Why can't they just put me to prison right now? They have paperwork to fill out and stuff. I feel like I was listening to a taped call between Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, you can tell no remorse whatsoever, and I think he's feeding her with some information. Uh, she's also trying to feed him with information to, to, again, to make it, she knows exactly what's going on. I mean, there's no reason why, you know, you're laying on the couch together at one point and you don't know that he's not there anymore watching a movie together. That's just beyond me. She knew exactly what was going on and all the way to the end when, you know, you can tell again, very nonchalantly about it. You know, he tells her what he did with Sam's body and, you know, you would think that she would come unglued or praised about what the heck you chopped up a person's body and none at all. Just, I still love you, baby. She keeps telling him. I know. And, uh, it's just, uh, you're at what point right. he I even slips, he says, when she, one of her, I love you babies, he goes, no, you don't, or you shouldn't. He, he was almost going to say, no, you don't, because. I think somewhere he knows that she really doesn't love him the way a future wife is supposed to love a husband, right? I mean... I oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then I also noticed when he said to her, where is everybody else? Where's John and Violet and Dave and everybody? It's like he was, where's my audience? You know, where where, where are the people that I'm that I need to perform for, right? Because the one thing is, is that up until this call... You never knew where reality stood, right? Because he, he, how many times did he tell you? I mean, I know you guys could see through it and appreciated that they were yeah. all cock and bull stories, but you know, That's it's right. like the boy that cries wolf. You, you never know when it's real until I think he just unravels, right? I mean, that's when it seems that's like correct. he finally gives it up. Oh, absolutely. Again, you know, you know, you here she is. Uh, now, I'm just talking for me. If that was me, I wouldn't even answer his phone calls anymore because mm-hmm. I was with a crazed guy that killed people and chopped people. I, why would I even want to call and talk to him anymore? But she still had to be in there talking to him because I think she just wanted to make sure that there was no income implications on her right. as to any, any you know, doing of any part of the crime whatsoever. I felt like she was placating him. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think so, too. And, you know, I mean, he's trying to tell her all these details about how he shot Sam twice and then lured Julia to Sam's apartment. He, he's just telling her the whole story that she already knows. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell just by the tone of her voice, she already knows every detail. She's just going along with it and throwing in a few jabs here and there to just to make sure to make it look, try to make it look like she has no clue as to what's going on. Uh, but she's just too calm, too calm not to know everything. Definitely. Yeah. And, and when she said to him, how did you leave the apartment without me seeing? I mean, that is, she, she told a gentleman by the name of Daniel Hulkyard, who was, uh, a minister to Dan at the time he was incarcerated at the county jail. And she was in charge of 
She was the gatekeeper of who was going in to see Dan the first month that he was there. So Dan had to mm-hmm. Daniel Hulkyard had to go to her in order to get see Daniel Wozniak. And at that moment when he kept pressing her, you didn't see anything, you didn't hear anything, you how how could that be? You know, the gunshot was just three floors up. You were with Dan the whole time and then he left to go upstairs and she said the only thing that she remembers is that she was on, when she was on the computer responding to an earlier message that Julie, a Facebook message that Julie left for her about mm-hmm. her wedding that was uh-huh. coming up. And just to say, oh, I, you know, I look forward to seeing you this summer and good, congratulations on your wedding. And she responded back at 11.15. Now, this is what, 45 minutes before... Dan's upstairs about to shoot Julie Mm -hmm. and she's responding Mm -hmm. to her saying oh thank you so much I can't wait to spend the summer with you by the pool and it was like an alibi message Mm -hmm. I think and she told Dan Hulkyard that Dan Wozniak was standing right behind her when she was typing that message and Mm -hmm. she told you guys she was fast asleep at one point and then she told you she was in bed with her computer and in fact the jury foreman told me that when they were deliberating they counted over 27 lies just in the transcription alone from that interview with that she had with you guys that thursday morning when you brought her in around three four o'clock in the morning when you guys are trying i mean you don't have a lot of murders in costa mesa right would you say on the average maybe two a year yeah, that's probably about the average. That's correct. So here you guys are trying, and you have a dead woman's body found in an apartment, and you're trying to get to the bottom of things, and she's she's lying every few mm-hmm. minutes. And so anyway, that's I thought it was pretty ironic when she started this call saying, they won't let me see you, babe. Did they lie to you? <laughs> <laughs> really? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that, I know. That's your I problem know. that the Costa Mesa police <laughs> lied to. I see. Okay. I mean, just, just I mean, it's just ironic, right? It's very ironic. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate uh, that she had a bigger piece in this pie, but I'm glad it, it eventually we got some justice for the victims and having her uh, going where she's going. It's not enough, in my opinion, but uh, at least it's something that's better than nothing. <laughs> well, you can appreciate that Steve Hare at the press conference after the sentencing of Rachel Buffett, that he was extraordinarily frustrated and yeah. very grateful to, to, to everyone that worked hard and tirelessly on, on the case, but just so frustrated with the system. Yes, yes, yeah. It, it's a, sometimes it's, the system is uh, beneficial, and sometimes it, it can be real frustrating. <laughs> so. Well, he even made a point. If she was tried right across the street in federal court, she could have received between 10 and 15 years for the same charges and the same conviction. So sure, I, I know that that was tough on him. The other thing that I noticed in this call was that she didn't focus on the heinous murders that he committed, right? And the details of what he did. She was more focused on the lies he told her about their financial situation or the girls that he was with. That seemed to take priority over these horrific crimes. Yes, and talking about the girls, she made a comment, from what I recall, was something about, you know, I would have 
rather like you better for that, meaning like you only were with three girls uh, and I was your third one, kind of. I guess he must have played this uh, to her that she was, he was some Don Juan and probably was, yeah. <laughs> so, but just her comments that she's making, those were more important to her and she just kind of blew over the uh, towards the end there when he was explaining to her how he killed Sam and what he did with the dismembering of the body. Uh, she didn't really focus on it too much. It kind of just went real quick and done. And to me, that just tells me again that uh, she already knew what was going on. She didn't want to be involved and try to keep everything in a in a generality and, and, and try to play with each other on the phone back and forth, like, like a Bonnie and Clyde, just like you just said. Well, and she also knew she had a limited time, I guess, with the call, and she couldn't be bothered with the details of the murders because she already knew them, right? So it was more it was more about the details she wanted to know about how his lies affected her, the finances affected her, the girls affected her. Cause she was a very jealous woman, and yeah. the girls would often call the ex-girlfriends that remained friends with him, and so that always bothered her, and that was something she wanted to get to the bottom of, and And at the very end, she sort of throws him a bone, right? She's trying to maybe say to him, you know, because you're a pathological liar, even though you confessed all this stuff, no one knows what the truth is because you lie all the time. So now we're going to get you an attorney. And she brings up an attorney at the end of the third call when he's already blown his wad, right? He's told you guys everything. It's like, I mean... She doesn't yeah, really, really care that much about what happens to him at this point. She knows the jig's up, and yeah. he's going down, and he's going to cover for her as long as she uh, plays her part. That's right. That's right. That's exactly true. And she just, she and I agree, I think a lot of times when she's advising him of, hey, you know, we're going to get you an attorney, the best attorney. Hey, we're going to, if we need to go to the, the mental uh capacity state for you we're going to take care of that she's just making it to where he feels somewhat comfortable like she's there to she's help there him. for him right yes and, and by the way if, she did none she, of, she did none of those things that's right didn't do one thing for him exactly and that's all she cared about was to make sure in the back of his mind he knows that she's still there for him and even though he's telling her don't worry about me i'm dead don't move on with your life She's thinking, no, I got to make sure I'm there because I do not need him to implicate me at all. So she's, I'm there for you 100%, which she's trying to tell him during these conversations. So, well, they also uh, have each other that as far as Tim, because I mean, I did have several interviews with Tim Wozniak and he looked me point blank in one of them and said, if Rachel ever gives up my role, then she's going down too. They spent about a week together after Dan was incarcerated and uh, smoked their little uh, crystal meth pipes all week long. And much to Lisa Golge's dismay, who was his girlfriend, Tim's girlfriend at the time. But I think they worked out whatever arrangement between the two of them that they they were going to make during that time because they were both obviously involved and they knew that uh, they needed to protect one another. And so many people, so many listeners ask me, the number one question I get probably is why hasn't Dan rolled over on Rachel? And I always say because of Tim, he doesn't want to see Tim end up where he is. So, Yeah. 
I agree with that uh, also because uh, that's his brother. That's his, you know, his bloodline, and he's going to protect him as 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 far as he can go. And and I agree. If he implicates uh, Rachel in any way, it's going to just start falling downhill from there. <laughs> right. And I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, after the sentencing, Rachel. Well, actually, actually, right before the judge um, imposed her sentence, she did give Rachel Buffett the chance to speak to the victims' families. I don't, I don't know if you saw that or not, but she no, did, I did not. She did say to the families that she wishes Sam and Julie were still alive, and how she wishes she never met Dan Wozniak, and how she wishes there was something she could have done to prevent the whole thing, and. I just, uh, I know so much now because of of the podcast, people have come forward and shared with me. I have one particular person that I call deep throat at this point that uh, basically Rachel confessed everything to and that she was involved. She was involved in the planning and she knew everything that was going to happen. And she spoke about some details that told me she she was she saw the scene she saw Sam's scene where Julie was murdered Sam's apartment sorry and uh yeah. details that are coming up that I just hope because I have looked into the laws detective and you can be convicted of accessory after the fact and still be charged with murder at some point if the evidence comes forward to support it so I I hope that um you know, with maybe a new administration, maybe there's a chance for a second look at this case because Rachel was involved. Tim was involved. Sure. I even think Noah was sure. involved. I don't know if you heard sure. the podcast, the episode with the Spaths, Kristen and John Spath, but they did come to see you guys. I think it was the Monday of Memorial Day uh, mm. when uh, they had had a visit from Rachel and Noah and Rachel basically came there and she was already in the bag. She had a two liter bottle of vodka in her hand that she was literally drinking from the throat, if you can believe it. And uh, Noah comes in with an unlit corn pipe, like an, like a prop, right? Like he's the, like a professor. Yeah. And he tells John Spath because John and Kristen were the parents of Brittany Boudreaux and she was the girl, she was really the love of Dan's life. And she was the girl that Dan dated prior to Rachel and was supposed to marry and, and the families went on holidays and cruises together, and and he was the, he called them you know mama and big guy right these were these were like parents to him, and they said we just we can't believe we never saw Dan Wozniak violent or have a temper mm-hmm. we're we're just so shocked we just we can't make mm-hmm. heads or tails of it, and Noah said to him at that point oh. I certainly can because we would sit around and plan ways to murder people and get away with it. And uh, that's when John said we felt we had to come to the Costa Mesa police because, sure. you know, the conversation continued when when Noah then shared with him that he was a co-signer on the, on the lease for the apartment in Costa Mesa. And okay. Noah said that 
he was worried because he knew that the eviction was imminent. And he said, what's going to happen here, dude? What are you going to do about it? Uh, this is my credit that you're hurting. And Dan told him, and Noah then repeated this story to John Spath. He said, Dan told me as long as I could get $400 a day, I'll be fine. Well, that's exactly what he did. I mean, that's exactly how much money he took out of Sam's account every day. And so Noah's telling John Spath this story where, where he would have no knowledge of this information, right, if he wasn't involved and knew what was going on. So I think there's just so many more players to look at in this case. I just don't think Dan was alone in doing these crimes. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with you on a lot of that stuff. And, you know, we, we I think, also felt very much the same when I say we are us detectives at the time. That this is a hard murder to just plan by yourself. But, you know, everything initially at that point led to Dan Wozniak, and we felt that Rachel was definitely involved. We, we felt there were other players involved, but uh, we just didn't have enough at that time. Um, to move forward on charges. Through, yeah, and throughout the years here, now we had a little more on Rachel, uh, Buffett at this point in time, but uh, um, again, there's no statute on, on homicide or murder, so who knows what could happen in, in the future as uh, time goes on and, and maybe there's some other detectives that get involved and they want to look at the case again and who knows what could happen down the road. Well, I think that would be certainly a scenario that Steve Hare would be very pleased about because I think I don't think he's ever going to have peace until everyone involved pays the price. Sure, sure. And I, I remember talking to Steve numerous times that he felt there was definitely more, there was multiple people involved, not just one or two. And, uh, and, and I, and I, a lot of us agree. It's just, again, uh, we got to go where the evidence leads us. And, uh, as we put everything together and, um, at the time was, uh, definitely one person, possibly two. And, uh, Rachel eventually got her uh, sentencing for it, and not enough, obviously, but uh, hopefully in time, like I said, I, I, I would hope in time if uh, someone had some time to do it and uh, maybe look at it again one more time. But we'll, we'll, we'll see what they decide to do over there. And uh, It's a great detective bureau I work for. I can't complain. So they've done a really good job. Well... Detective, we are so grateful for your time today and uh, really do appreciate your thoughts on, on what you heard, these calls. I'm sure you haven't heard heard them in a while, so it, it brought back a lot. And we really do appreciate knowing that we have one of the lead detectives in this case uh, here with us to help guide us through these calls. And thank you so much. Well, thank you. And you have a great day. You as well, Detective. All right. Coming up next on Sleuth, we hope you recognize our effort throughout this podcast to shine a light on just how justice is dispensed and determined in Orange County, California. With the checks and balances a platform like Sleuth has brought to bear on this subject, there is now a new DA in town. On November 6th, the people of Orange County spoke and voted in new DA Todd Spitzer 
who dethroned a 20-year incumbent in Tony Rakakis. Mr. Spitzer won on a platform of cleaning up corruption in the Orange County DA's office. With that, we welcome a timely roundtable discussion with a trio of guests, which include Wozniak Defense Counsel Scott Sanders, victim advocate Paul Wilson, who lost his wife of 27 years to Mr. Sanders' client Scott DeCry, and a 30-year award-winning veteran journalist Scott Moxley. Mr. Moxley, through his weekly Moxley Confidential, informs the public by consistently keeping an eye on the political and legal maneuvering taking place in the Orange County justice system. If you enjoyed this episode of Sleuth, share it with a friend and be sure to leave a rating or review. Follow Sleuth on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. My name is M. William Phelps. For the past several years, I've been reinvestigating the cases of two young women abducted from their small towns, their bodies dumped deep in the Ozark woods, with a connection to one very familiar name. Find them, torture them, kill them, BTK. Secrets finally revealed, sending authorities rushing to confront a suspect who's been hiding in plain sight for decades. Listen to Paper Ghosts Season 4 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jackie Goldschneider from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I'm Jennifer Fessler, also from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Welcome to our new podcast, Two Jersey Jays. We are going to have lots of fun on this podcast while we discuss what it's really like to be a real housewife and all the drama that comes with it. Follow us as we navigate family, friendships, and even frenemies. Listen to Two Jersey Jays on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.